Hello, friends and strangers. Welcome back to Wisdom Weavers. So this episode, we are talking about the breath. I had the pleasure of having Dave Murphy on the podcast. He and I have actually known each other in many different settings through three different continents, actually. I've gotten to witness a bit of his transformation from the sidelines as a friend, but I finally got the full story here today. His story is truly so inspiring for anyone really, but especially for anyone feeling discouraged in their current career or life and feeling like maybe there's something more they're meant to do. He's an amazing bridge between the corporate world of self to the more holistic world of service and a great example of someone who gave himself the space to listen and follow his intuitive hunches. In this episode, we talk about everything from his journey from the straight and narrow corporate ladder climbing past to his newer, more intuitively guided, holistic approach to how he applies himself in the world. We talk about everything from the breath, what breath work actually is, to plant medicine, and the difference between externally assisted transformation and internally generated transformation. We talk about food and how to connect to the planet through our own bodies. This episode has lots of deliciousness in it, so if you enjoy it, please share it with anyone else you think may enjoy it. And I usually forget to ask, but if you like this podcast at all, <laughs> please give it a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening on. It really helps other people find it. And honestly, the entire purpose of this podcast, of this project, is just to spread the love and actually inspire people. So, Without further ado, born and raised in Sydney, Australia, Dave spent 15 years working in brand marketing with some of the most iconic brands all around the world. While on paper it was a successful career, the further he progressed, the more he felt unfulfilled and disconnected from his true self. After an incredibly powerful breathwork experience during a retreat in the Netherlands, Dave experimented with breathwork as a means to bring a greater level of clarity and meaning to his own life and immediately experienced its transformative benefits. It helped him not only find clarity in his career, but also released some seriously suppressed emotions from his body that he didn't even know he was holding on to. Following his intuition, he went on to complete his hypno-breathwork certification, and today he helps individuals and teams heal unprocessed emotions, release energetic blockages, reprogram limiting beliefs, and access greater levels of clarity creativity, confidence, and connection. So all of Dave's links and also his recommendations are in the show notes, so please do check him out. Well, my friends, good morning or good evening wherever you are, 
And I so hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I think my story started, it's funny, we've kind of like sort of meandered across the planet, sort of like in similar places at similar times right. um, and, and cross paths at, in many of those places. And picked up and interest I, in similar things at similar yeah. points too. It's so funny. Yeah. And funnily enough, like I think, you know, as you can probably tell in here, I'm, I'm Australian, but we met in New York. Um through a mutual friend. And I think that's kind of when I think I began to veer off the path that I was on and had been on for a long time, like in my career. So I have a background in brand marketing, working with lots of sort of big, big brands and big agencies, um, both here in Australia, in the US and in Europe. And I think, you know, I was in New York and that was probably the first time I, at that point I was maybe like 12 12 or 13 years into my career. Mm. So becoming like fairly established and sort of working my way up in, in that profession and doing relatively well, um, you know, in, in that field, like by the, by the measures of, of that industry, I was doing quite well, but in New York was probably the first time I started to think that maybe there's something else and that like, I wasn't quite fulfilling like what I was supposed to be doing or I was, I was like, had this growing sense of that there was something more and that I was starting to feel, yeah, unfulfilled and a little disconnected from what I was doing. And I think, I think the very first thing that sort of sparked that was, was actually through my brother who at the time was, was a vegan. Um, and I was, I was definitely not a vegan and I <clears throat> sort of tried, tried to eat well, but paid no real attention to the food I was eating. Mm. And then I kind of like went down the vegan rabbit hole in, while I was living in New York, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a vegan anymore. Um, but I we've I all went had down that, that phase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had it for a while. I was I was I, I mean I wasn't strict, but I was like mostly plant based for like a, a good few years, um, and that started in yeah when I was living in New York. And I think that that process, like I don't regret any of it because that process was really great at just like. Um, like surfacing the fact that there was actually more to like what we often just took for granted as like life and things that we do. It's sort of like food was the first entry point to going, oh, actually there's like more I can learn here. And like what we're sort of always told about everything is not necessarily mm. true or accurate. And so food was like probably my entry point into just trying to learn more and take like more responsibility for my own like health and well-being and just participation in life. Um, and so yeah, that, that began and yeah, I got quite into it and went like quite deep and quite quickly down that rabbit hole. And yeah, that's probably sparked like this new curiosity that I, that I um, found just around wanting to learn about like what was going on in the world and in my life and in things that I interacted with. And in that, at that point was, you know, food was the entry point. Um, and so then that also like woke me up to like the impact we're having on like as as a collective species and society on our planet um mm. 
and again like you know and i have no judgment towards vegans and i i think a lot of what they stand for is is amazing and mm-hmm. there's a lot of goodness in 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 a lot of that and i think that was like my one of my like big um sort of realizations was that the impact we were having on the planet and i realized that really like struck a chord with me and i realized how much i value like nature and our environment and so that began this like separate or alongside and very much like hand in hand with like my interest in like our the food we were eating and its impact on our human health but also planetary health and so then that just kind of like opened that door for me and I became more and more interested in like the way humans impacted Mm. our planet and all the sort of stories and and things that you don't hear about again it was like as you dig like scratch the surface and dig it to dig a little deeper you start to learn and hear about like other things and you're like really we do that like that mm. that's not cool we like that that's not okay we can't we can't be doing that um and so it just like almost every time I learned something new is like that opened then another bunch of doors and it's like oh okay like there's another like whole realm to explore here and so I think that yeah, so that was probably New York in, in like maybe 2015. What a, what a juxtaposition. How long were you in New York for? Almost four years I lived there, yeah. Yeah, and you were you in your 20s at the time? Yeah, I moved there when I was 26. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like what a juxtaposition being in New I mean, well, I was also in New York, well, solidly in New York for, oh, I think, over 10 years. Um, yeah. And especially in our young adult years. And such a juxtaposition to be coming up against these these ideas, especially the vegan thing. It's so interesting because if we're really trying to get more connected to Earth, it makes sense to be vegan because it's there's no farms. You can't get like you really have to go out of your way to get like meat or produce from like the farmer and all this stuff. So it's like easier to just vote that and just be like, you know what, none of that industry stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, and also interesting juxtaposition of you working in the advertising world i mean new york what would be more of like a advertising hub (laughs) than that yeah Um, i mean it is that like madison avenue is like it's famous like that was it was actually why i moved there it was like the epicenter of that industry and that was the industry i was in and you know like the all the best agencies in the world were in new york and that's where i wanted to be and yeah like that's where i ended up and it was it was amazing but you're right the juxtaposition in fact now that you say that like as well that like um, realization I had around like nature and our connection to nature and my my like connection to nature, I kind of realized that in New York and I that's like quite ironic because New York City like I, I lived in Manhattan and New York City is clearly not like a natural <laughs> environment. No. <laughs> no, not at all. But maybe like I'm just sort of thinking about this now. Maybe that's why I had that realization. Like I was so detached from that that maybe that's why I sort of it was like there was this like growing urge within me to go dude you need to like you're so disconnected from nature here yeah yeah and I think also being busy in New York is such a ego boost which is good because it gives us a lot of power and you get like a lot of power doing things but it's such an ego boost and I understand how it's hard for and I guess you could say any industry where you're really really busy like that is also a bit of an ego boost which is fine but it's also interesting that you are thinking about consumption, how you consume in this world, how you interact with the world in terms of consumption or output. 
and also working in an advertising and there's nothing wrong with advertising i mean it's the world that we live in like yeah. you know i mean it's probably a beast that's untamed but in and of itself yes. it's fine like i i should use advertising for what i'm doing we all we all do it i mean social media is that really yeah. so um yeah. nothing wrong with it but it's interesting to be like you know i don't even know what projects you were on but i imagine like coca-cola and like all the you know <laughs> these kinds of projects yeah. and working for that it's it's interesting i i think there's a lot of space to actually create where you have like these new things that you're thinking about like how can i get more connected and then everything on the opposite that you're putting and it's like mm -hmm. such a place where you can kind of just get i think squeezed to a point yeah yeah and i think like i agree with you there's nothing wrong with advertising as an industry in and of itself it's the way we use it and the the messages and the sort of the the output that we create and the and the sort of brands that we support and their extractive processes like that's where the issue lies it's like if we you know advertising could be used as the most powerful force for good if we were sort of using it's the creativity of it to share messages and and you know brands and businesses that were doing incredible things and you know advertising can and is used for that so yeah there's no and i think the other thing that i sort of would defend for advertising is that i've met some of my best friends and most beautiful and intelligent people that mm -hmm. I that I know um I obviously haven't worked in lots of other industries but like yeah. I've met some incredible people in that industry who are who are genuinely trying to do good things and mm -hmm. so yeah there's no I hold very little judgment to the industry at all um mm -hmm. and and yeah got so much from it so it's yeah mm. so what brought you out of New York then was that like a breaking point or was it just sort of a natural thing to the next thing no so I actually met um I met my now wife uh, in in New York. Um, she is an Aussie, so I didn't stray too far. I met an Aussie <laughs> in, in New York, um, and she she had to um, ultimately she had to like her visa ran out and her visa expired and she she wasn't able to renew it. So we kind of had to make a decision, and at that point we'd only been dating maybe for just under a year and <clears throat> she had to leave the country just you know legally had to mm. get out and we kind of had to make a decision like do we are we committed to this relationship and if so like we're either going to do long distance or we're going to have to leave together or we're going to end the end the relationship and ultimately we chose to stay together and 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 be together and so we decided to leave I kind of reluctantly I wasn't quite ready to leave like I was still loving New York yeah and even though I was kind of like starting to question a few things but I was still loving New York and had a great group of friends there and was having a lot of fun and you know it's it's fun to be an Australian in, in the U.S. and yeah explore so um yeah ended up sort of having to leave but then as 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 is often the case like I'm so glad <laughs> that we did because we ended up in in Amsterdam we actually were like weren't sure where we were going to go we just knew that we didn't go, want to go back to Australia yet yeah. and then we were kind of like looking at a map and you know <laughs> Europe Europe was the like we kind of felt drawn to Europe and for a minute there we were going to go to London but then we thought maybe that'll just end up being a little bit like New York the same um, yeah like same same but different and maybe not as good and mm. and so we ended up picking Amsterdam I think primarily because we both knew like we're both in sort of marketing and production and advertising so we both thought or knew that there was a good industry of that there so we could probably get jobs there and equally we wanted to be in like mainland europe 
but neither of us speak another language. So there are only like a few places you can go mm. where, where you don't need to speak the language and Amsterdam is definitely one of them. So yeah, so we picked Amsterdam and um, and we moved there, which... So did you move there now, first without the job then? I actually got a job while I was still in New York. Like I okay. arranged it right right before we left, um, which was was really lucky and helpful. Um, Ing moved there with no job and and had never even been there. So she kind of like, <laughs> as she always does, she just settled in straight away and she loved it and I loved it. And yeah, in hindsight now, like I'm back in Australia now, but the the three and a half years I think we were in Amsterdam was like my favorite three and a half years of my life. Like I miss it. I loved it and I miss it so much. And it's such yeah. a beautiful place. And yeah, so much, so much goodness there and so much like, you know, growth and like continued evolution of my for myself happened there. And yeah, it's yeah, definitely my I, favorite European city. And I love that we overlapped <laughs> there as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where we like started to connect a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, yeah. Um, like, and I think to, sorry. Oh, you don't know. No, no, no. I, I, like, I guess to, to continue or to round out that the answer to your first question, like in Amsterdam, I think because the pace of the city, like compared to New York as well, it's just so different and it's so much more chill and the, the value the Dutch place on just like being and, and like the hustle culture doesn't really exist there. Like it doesn't, especially in New York and this, the spaciousness that I found once I got there, like I remember Ing and I would in the first, we arrived in summer and like it stays light pretty late in, in Europe, especially more Northern Europe. And I remember like, the first few months we got there, we'd we'd get home from work, and you don't like work as late there as you do in yeah. New York. And we'd get home from work, and we'd like go to the shops on the way home. We'd prepare dinner. We'd like eat dinner. We'd wash up. We'd maybe then like watch an episode of something, and it'd be like eight o'clock, and it's still <laughs> bright outside. And we were like, "How do we have so much time and space?" Like it was such a different experience of living, and I think that that again probably unconsciously at the time but that like propelled my like just curiosity just once I had that time and space just to like start to I guess value again like value like that time in outside in nature and um and just also like created like seemingly like insignificant opportunities like way more time to read and listen Mm -hmm. to podcasts and Mm -hmm. stuff like that which now that I look back like the amount that I read while living there and listen to is probably the most I ever have because like also you know we now have a young baby but we didn't have kids we didn't have any responsibilities we had all this extra time and that just mm-hmm. like fueled this like opportunity for learning and curiosity that I had um so I feel like my like own evolution really accelerated in a really good way mm-hmm. um when we were living there and yeah there was a if you want me to if no, you want no, me no, to keep going keep, keep going <laughs> yeah there was a there was a moment um i guess to to really finally answer your question properly like where um where i had the opportunity to to go to a and participate in an ayahuasca um retreat which i knew i knew nothing about before moving to the netherlands i don't even remember if i'd ever heard that word or phrase yeah. before um and some friends of ours who lived in Amsterdam had recently been to this retreat um just outside of Amsterdam a couple hours outside and over dinner one night we're just sharing their experience and I kind of couldn't wrap my head around what they were describing but was so drawn 
into it. And I think that like yearning that I had in, in me for like this reconnection, like at this point I was really feeling disconnected from the work I was mm. doing. I was like, how can, how can I feel so deeply unfulfilled by the work I'm doing? Like, again, seemingly successful on paper and, you know, enjoying the people I was working with and, and sometimes like enjoying the work, but I just felt no connection to it and deeply unfulfilled by it and started to realize that my own values didn't align with like the values of the organizations I was working with. And that was yeah. actually becoming an increasing divide. Mm -hmm. um, so that was becoming clearer. Um, it was probably harder so, just to ignore at this point that divide. Yeah, I think so because of that space as well. well like you, were, I was so much less busy than I was in New York, so much like right. less hustle that you had the time to like notice that and become yeah. aware of it and, and sort of sit with it a little bit more. Um, and so I think like as I heard this story of like what happened at this ayahuasca retreat and the experience these people had, I I was just like so drawn and captivated. And I was like, I I think I need to experience that. Like, I think that maybe holds some of the answers to some of these questions I'm starting to answer, especially around like reconnecting to like myself and 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 like my path. As cliched as as both those sentences can sound, like that's I think what I was seeking and sounded like what was maybe available. Um, and so Ing and I decided to go to this ayahuasca re retreat for a few, it was like over a, two or three nights. Um, and I, and like, we can talk more about that if you want, but that really was probably well, I remember we, we, I remember cause I think I had gone to a retreat right around that same time. Was it that one that you're talking about? It was. Yeah. I remember, in fact, that's when like you and I knew each other before that, but I remember we both came, it may have even been the same weekend or like a couple of weekends. So, yeah. Apart. I think it was something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I remember we came back and we met up and we both shared our experiences yeah. with each other. And I just remember like connecting with you deeply over that. But yeah, that like that was definitely a a turning point or what a, did you discover you know, in that in that I just had I mean, yeah, like we can talk about this as much as you want to, I suppose. But yeah, why not? I, I just had <laughs> I had the most profound feeling of 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 multiple emotions but just like felt like felt emotions and 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 felt um like a sense of reconnection to myself mm. that I can't really put into words um but there was just such a like a deep experience of like coming back like it was almost like a lot of people again it maybe sounds a bit cliche but a lot of people describe it as a bit of a rebirthing experience mm -hmm. um and I think that's what it was for me. Um, it it sort of showed me whole different dis, um, perspectives and dimensions of of like life and reality that felt like viscerally real. Like when you just know something because yeah. you feel it. It's like, like direct I, experience of it. Yeah, and like I can describe <laughs> it to someone, um, but they'll never. Yeah, and that's no discredit to them, but they'll never understand it. Yeah because like they didn't feel it and experience it. And I just felt this like rebirthing, this reconnection and then these emotions. And one of them was um, this deep sense of like love. Like it was this blissful, beautiful, like perfect emotion and feeling of, of love of myself, but as also of all things. Um, and there were some like messages as well, I suppose that like, you know, often people who've 
um, experienced ayahuasca say like mother ayahuasca will, will like sh show you things or, or, or mm. deliver you messages. And I, I definitely had uh, a couple of, a few of those one, the one I'll mention, which was probably the most pr profound, which I didn't know what it meant or how to enact upon it at the time. And it, I didn't actually know for meant for a few years afterwards, what, like what I was to do with that. And I think only recently have I now kind of like reconciled what it meant. Mm. And that message was, I remember lying, like you're lying there in this room and I was lying on my back and like, you know, a few hours deep into this journey. And like this message just came through so clearly to me, it was coming through to me, but I was actually speaking it as well. So it's kind of this like cycle, like cyclical sort of message that was coming through me to me at the same time. And it was, just this sentence I probably repeated, like, I don't know, a hundred times or something was, which was, I just need to help people. I just need to help people. I just need mm -hmm. to help people. And I didn't know, because mm -hmm. one of the intentions I had going into the um, whole retreat, and as you would know, they often, the like facilitators and shamans often suggest that you come in with an intention. And my intention was to find clarity in my career. Cause as I'd just been saying, like I was feeling so disconnected from it. Um, and so I was like going in, hoping to know what to do next and naively going in. I, I thought that meant that I'd come out going, oh, well, now I'll know that I should go and work at this company or this brand is the brand I should work for. I thought it would be like that kind of clarity that yeah. I, I just know it, like that it would be simplistically like, oh, if you go and work for this brand, then like, then you'll, that would be the answer. Um but the message I got was, I just need, like, you just need to help people. You just need to help people. Mm. And I didn't know what to, like, I, I again, I knew that was true. And I, I knew and felt the truth of it, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to do that. Like, again, my night, like my naive brain was like, well, you're not, you're not a doctor or a nurse. You're not like, right. a, like, you can't actually go and like help. Like, what are you going to do? Or like, or you can go and like volunteer and do stuff like that. But I was like, it wasn't clear to me what, what that meant and um yeah I can like fast forward to I guess now and and also bridge that gap a little bit if you want but like now I'm doing breath work and, and facilitating breath work and guiding breath work experiences for people and you know it, it, that may evolve that may, may not be what I do forever or there right. may be other modalities or elements to that or mm. the whole thing may evolve but like I feel like I am now helping people and I, and I get, I am getting so much fulfillment and like, you know, I talked to before feeling so deeply unfulfilled and now I'm, when I do this, I feel so deeply fulfilled by doing it. And so connected to the work and the response of the people that I do it with is, is generally really positive and really profound. And not that that validates it, but um, it's feeling like that, that is at least for now, where that path was guiding me towards was mm. and, and like I said it doesn't have to be breath work and it may evolve but right. that's what it is now and and I'm yeah I'm getting so much from it and it sort of makes that whole journey make sense and yeah it took a few years to kind of get to this point of, of yeah. doing that but but yeah well you know sort of I I think for <clears throat> for anyone who's listening but um I mean I'm sure some of these people well okay well I think having been in New York or being in a big city or even just anywhere in society, pretty much anywhere, I would say Western culture, but I think it's everywhere. There's this big emphasis on the individual, right? Like, so it's like you have a career and you need to be successful and it's all about what, how life can serve you. And I think it's not bad. You don't, 
you don't want to be a martyr out in the world and self-sacrificing. So, but, you know, at some point, I think there can be a sort of separation. And I experienced this, My, I, you obviously experienced this. I can say I experienced it myself. I used to be an actor. I was trained as an actor, a writer, and lots of those skills and qualities I still have with me. And I'm, I'm still, you can still be of service and be an actor, like, especially as a comedian, which I did a lot of comedy. So there is a service in that. I'm not, you know, I'm not discrediting it, but the whole career aspect was so self-serving. It was so destructive. It was so about the ego that eventually to me, I'm like, yeah, sometimes I miss a bit of theater and there's so much beauty in the art and everything, but I don't want to pull my whole energy into that. And like now working in birth work, which who knows, maybe I'll do something else later on, like exactly what you said, but the octave is in service. Like you move from that in service to the self and then in service to others. And I still have a career. I still get paid, you know, like those things mm -hmm. are not gone. You're not, not, mm -hmm. you know, you're not, not paying the bills. Yeah. Um, you're still doing that, but there's just such a different thing when it's like how I can help people. And I really think that is like an, an octave jump. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people are, un if, if you're fulfilled in your individualistic career, that's great. Like you're probably learning a lot of skills and cool. But I think for a lot of people who are unfulfilled, I think that's really the, the conscious or psychological change or spiritual change you could say mm -hmm. is when you go from me to others mm -hmm. and there's that jump yeah. so yeah so that's cool um but yeah i'd love to know how you discovered that it's such a powerful medicine yeah. and even what it is some people will be like what <laughs> what are you talking about yeah no totally totally um and also i'd just add to that as well like like you said no judgment for anyone who's feeling fulfilled in their current career or, or of whatever that is because and i'm learning this more and more like have been learning this recently like I was that I was in that career for 50 like I did that so like everyone's just on their own journey in their yeah. own time and mm -hmm. maybe they need to be doing what they're doing now in order to guide them to a certain place acquire certain skills whatever it is so mm -hmm. like I have zero judgment like and uh, some people like and I know you don't either but like some people in the wellness sort of circles can sometimes like point at like the others doing the bad things yeah but it's not like that everyone's like just what others <laughs> we're all yeah. in this together and also also we like like to your point as well some people just have practical realities of bills to pay and children to support and it's yeah. not easy yeah, yeah so um so yeah full full like um respect for anyone doing anything really um but to... <laughs> all people out there we support you <laughs> <laughs> almost almost as all. long as you're not an evil psychopath <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Almost everyone. Ninety nine percent of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, breath work. Well, ironically, not to bring it back to the ayahuasca retreat, but that was my first experience of right. of breath work. Um, the the retreat that I went that we went to, um, the first two days were really we didn't actually drink any ayahuasca. Um, <clears> the <throat> first couple of days that was really just about connecting with ourselves and with the group and like opening our hearts and doing all that that like um pre pre um journey work and some of the modalities we we experienced which I think for uh for me they were all new at the time but some like ecstatic dance was one um breath work was obviously one um and eye gazing which for anyone who's never done eye gazing is a like wildly powerful and deeply emotional 
experience. Um, but yeah, breathwork was one of them. And we did holotropic breathwork, which for anyone who knows anything about breathwork, that's like at the quite a, like that's jumping in the deep end sort of straight that's off the, the bat. Like the, it's all in through the mouth and it's like yeah. two breaths in and then one out. Yeah. Is that it? And it's, holotropic? It, yeah, it's pretty much it. And it's, it's deep. It's like mm. you go, it's long and it's deeply <clears> experiential. Like you, and you know, I remember the, the guides prior to us doing it because and again I'd never done any breath work I didn't even I don't think I even knew that term um and they were like this is like they're explaining the technique and what you might experience and sort of saying you know some people will and some they actually said I remember them and, and now it makes sense but they they were saying some people actually find the breath work component of this whole retreat to be more powerful yeah and more profound than the ayahuasca mm-hmm. and I was like what for just from breathing what <laughs> um and they were sort of saying you know, you might experience certain physical sensations, um, like tingling, like certain things in the body. And but then I remember them saying, you know, some people will start purging and that could um, manifest as like actually vomiting or screaming or crying or, and I was just like, what? Like through the, just from breathing? I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't believe it. And then fast forward 45 minutes to an hour, we were all lying, you know, there's 20 of us in this space lying in a circle and half the room was just crying, half the room, like a few people were screaming, a couple of people were vomiting. I was shaped, like there was so much physicality to it and um, emotion to it just from breath work, like from breathe, a certain breathing mm-hmm. technique for an extended period of time. And that like planted the seed for me as to, okay, there's something here. Like we don't need external substances to mm-hmm. alter our states of consciousness and access like deeper emotions or whatever whatever it might be that's um, so yeah we'll come back to that point I like yeah that. <laughs> yeah let's definitely come back to that because yeah that's I guess that's been an important that was an important learning for me so let's definitely talk about that but yeah that planted the seed um and then and then also living in Amsterdam like Wim Hof is based is from, he's Dutch and used to live in Amsterdam and a lot of people might be f- familiar with the Wim Hof method yeah um which is a particular type of breath work that was sort of developed by a guy called Wim Hof, who's Dutch. Um, so and it's I, about I little... it's about bearing the cold. It's a bit, yeah, just for anyone yeah. who doesn't know who it would, yeah. Yeah, and I, I encourage people to look into he like it's so powerful. So he kind of combi- combines breath work with cold exposure, um, and that can just be like cold showers or you know he he goes pretty extreme with it, but um, it's really powerful at so many things and like both physically and physiologically for the body but also neurologically and mentally um so definitely encourage people to check out his work but yeah I got I started to like just have a curiosity about around breath work and thankfully Wim Hof was you know living there and experienced some class not with him directly but some Wim Hof method classes and um so that planted the seed of breath work and then then a couple of years went by and we actually then moved back to Australia um and a friend of mine who I'd met in New York, um, a girl called Francesca started, she had her own journey, which I won't sort of go into, but she's amazing and you can sort of check her out. But she's, she had her own sort of left advertising when it like developed um, or went deep into breath work. And she ended up um, launching her own business around breath work, which has been hugely successful. And she started offering um, certifications to help like, coach and and train other people who are aspiring to learn more about breathwork so I kind of um 
got curious through through her and watching her journey because she like trans from the from the person I knew in New York to where she was a couple of years ago. It was a complete transformation. I was so um yeah like taken taken aback by like the, her own transformation. And so I knew there was something in that. And by the end of by by the end of 2020, I think it was actually maybe it was early 2021, I was again still I was still working in like my old sort of that corporate world in in those brand marketing advertising roles and <clears throat> by this point I was deeply unfulfilled yeah um like I was I was starting to struggle a lot with it and feeling very lost very isolated very disconnected um and just got to the point where I knew I knew this was not it for me and there were two things that happened that was really the catalyst then to like going deep into breath work. So one was, um, one was that my wife got pregnant and, and I just, that was a moment where I just knew that, okay, in, in nine months or whatever it was at that time in seven, six months, we're going to have a, a child, like a baby. And it's never going to be easier for me to try something new and to explore other possibilities when it comes to work because you know we're suddenly going to become responsible for another human and maybe one day there'll be another one like so there's Mm -hmm. never going to be I'm never going to have more time I'm never going to have less responsibility both financially and just time so that kind of just like started a clock I think and it was was like if if not now when yeah and so that was a that was a really um sort of pivotal moment and then that probably triggered me to then I, I ended up finding originally just through Google. In, I just started Googling like breathwork people in Sydney. And I found this woman um, <clears throat> who facilitates like one-on-one private sessions, breathwork sessions, like deep, deep sessions with people. And I, I like arranged a quick call with her and told her that I was feeling so unfulfilled in my career and like told her the story. I basically just told you, yeah. although probably a shorter version. And, um, and like I asked her, can you help me? Can you help me find clarity for what's next? And because I knew breathwork was can be could be powerful at like going deep. So you in, went there in... just to find clarity. Yeah, I, so I was cool. like, you're like, it's this. Can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, so I I ended up booking a I think it was six sessions with her over six weeks, uh, like one on one, like together at her at her place and. I remember sitting down on the couch with her um, for the at the start of the first one and sort of telling her my story in a little bit more detail and what I was seeking and a little bit more context about my life and she was like yeah like okay like thank you for sharing like this sounds great like I'm I'm you know we can definitely explore all of this together and so she had me lay down and sort of start the first session with her and by the end of it like it was but just by the end of that first session I was a like a blubbering mess, just cr- crying on her floor, um, like coughing, like physically purging up, like vomiting and coughing up stuff, just having the the biggest and most sort of satisfying releases of energy and emotion. Mm. Um, stuff was coming out of me both physically and, and emotionally um, that I wasn't even aware of. And I thought we were going to do a few sessions around like, oh, find clarity on like, again, which company should I go and work for? But all this stuff was coming up about um, like my family, like family dynamics and relationships with Mm. my parents and my brother and limiting beliefs around self-worth. And all this stuff was coming up for me that I I didn't even know I was carrying. And 
over the over the next like five sessions we just kind of kept going deeper and deeper into that and it was super powerful and profound for me and I ended up um I ended up getting the clarity of like it's time to leave your job like it just just leave and just so I, I, yeah. I quit but I didn't at that point know that I wanted to be a breathwork coach or facilitator I actually left that job the, the job that I was in and set up my own consultancy where I actually just thought I could use the skills that I had amassed over the last 15 years as a brand marketer and I could become a consultant and just try to work with brands that I did feel a connection to and values aligned with and so I, I set up my own business um consulting to brands in the environmental space um which is still what I do like I still do 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 that um and I, I enjoy that and I feel so much more fulfilled doing that like putting the skills that I do have to use but again it's kind of like to what we were talking about before like advertising is not bad and there are yeah. some beautiful beautiful brands out there and if I can help um through my like experience sh- help them shape their message and their story and their brand and help them grow and have a greater impact in the world then I felt I felt good about that and so that's that's what I started to do and then at the end of 2021 Francesca who I mentioned before who set up her own she she um I ended up joining one of her certi- certification programs um again at the time not really knowing that I would then be become a coach at the end of it but I thought yeah. I've had such a powerful experience with breathwork that I just want to learn like I want to understand it more and like learn the nuance of it and the technique like the science behind the techniques and just go deeper on it so I ended up doing the certification for that reason and also I think in the back of my mind I was like well I work for myself now I've got a bit more time maybe that's a cool skill to have and maybe there's a like possibility that that can help support us financially um, as like a supplemental thing um, so I did it for that reason and then yeah only a year or so ago I started um, practicing it or facilitating other people and that just has snowballed um, quite effortlessly which I think is interesting we can talk about that um, I mean it also like shows I've, that it's exactly what you should be doing yeah for now and I think exactly yeah I always like yeah I like that you caveat with for now because I think that's true of everyone <clears throat> with everything but um yeah it like I've put effort in don't get me wrong I've I've put effort in to you know making people aware that I even do it I actually had gone off social media completely I'd just sort of deleted it and gone off it but I had to come back onto it to sort of start telling and sharing that I was doing breath work and so I did put effort into like um I guess marketing the fact that I now do it and yeah it, I just started with like like my first ever client or patient or whatever you want to call them was my wife's sister so really just close to home kind of just asked her if she'd wanted to do a session and she did and she had a really like powerful experience and I was like okay cool and then it was like a friend a good friend and then their friends and then a small group of people in a room like a mate of mine who's runs with a few guys in the mornings like he runs with a bunch of mates and I did one for him and he really enjoyed it. He's like, oh, I get my mates like, who I run with to come the next time. And so suddenly it was a room of six people and then like eight people. And and then I decided to like book a few venues and I'd do like I did a few yoga studios and it just kind of kept growing and growing. Like the momentum to... was going before you even had to lift a finger to push the ball. Like the ball already yeah. starts rolling. And, you know, I had yeah. just I had the same thing when I started doulaying as well. I just went to learn because actually I was in such a bad place emotionally. I had 
crazy stuff going on that I just went because it was my passion and I just wanted to learn more. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go to a birth. But then I don't know how people felt like I didn't even I like all I did was like fix a website a little bit. And all of a sudden it was like <laughs> and it was such a it's such a amazing place of alignment to be in when you you don't even initially have ambition about it. You're just you're mm. almost just listening to what the world is showing. Oh, the world wants you to be doing this rather mm. than let me force my will upon what I need yeah. to. It's such a liberating thing. Yeah, it's really beautiful. Like, and don't get me wrong, there's still like, you know, I still, I'm. it's still early and new for me. Like it's not, it's not the only thing I do. Like financially, I still, still do the consulting work. One, because I really enjoy it, but two, yeah. I need to just financially at the moment. But I like I'm I'm hoping the breathwork offering grows into something bigger and um, both from an impact perspective because I think you know people seem to get a lot out of it and it's really like some sessions are super powerful and people have like quite special breakthroughs and so I want to like continue to do more and more of that um, potentially on a on a bigger scale or hopefully on a bigger scale um, and then also for, for myself and for the family, like I hope that that can help provide for us. And then it's a kind of a win-win for everyone. Like if it's helping people and helping yeah. us facilitate our life, like that feels like a really good exchange of energy and effort. Yeah. Um, but so you know, yeah, I was thinking was because I've done breath work, like holotropic or things of that nature a few times. The mm -hmm. first time was in a shamanic, not, no, no plant medicine or anything, just like me mm -hmm. and a, a shaman a dear friend now um yeah. i miss her but anyways that was the most i think it wasn't just the breath work i was going through some transformation and spiritual transformation but that breath work literally sent me up i was like <laughs> i was in the cosmos i couldn't believe it mm. and all these things she was also doing stuff so it was like it was more a shamanic thing that she learned from another shaman but it's the same thing right the breath we started with that and i was like whoa and i did it a few other times with her and i just like i became <laughs> i became like an old native american woman like mm. i i just i was like seeing all these different and i was 98 years old and then i was like it was, and i don't even know how to explain it my eyes were closed <laughs> i was just going through this and then i remember i did one in new york with oh what's her name wolf medicine I hope I'll try to, yeah, <laughs> just, I want, when I shout out people, I try to like give them credit. I think it's Wolf Medicine. Yeah. Cool yeah. woman from Brooklyn. Um, But I did a, and I was just seeing other beings from other, I was like, mm -hmm. what is this? And I, yeah. I, I also was like, wow, wow. Like, yeah. and just physically, I was just like, this is, this is powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah just also going back to that point that you brought up of yeah I don't want to like preach or adhere to any specific ideology but I think plant I love mushrooms have helped me loads ayahuasca I don't really do any of that anymore maybe I will in the future but it's just not my what I'm into now but um amazing medicines time and place for sure for most people probably they can be incredibly transformational but i do see a lot of people thinking that that is what's going to like that they need to keep coming back to that like to me medicine mm -hmm. even medicine that you take when you have a cold or i have some herbal remedies here like i don't keep mm -hmm. taking them when i'm not mm -hmm. sick and um i do think that the breath work is definitely as powerful as that 
And obviously there's no external substance going in. It's being generated from within. But I think even that, even that can be, mm. yeah. I, I think there is a massive difference between external use for transformation, mm. which is great and can be super helpful and internally generated. And that's actually because I've been meditating all year, <laughs> all the time. And I don't know mm. if you've been to Vipassana have you been to I haven't, one? but I know, I know you'll yeah, love I it. I haven't done it. I you have to do it. It's definitely on the list. Yeah, it's got to. Yeah, <laughs> but um, what I'm understanding, this is like a really broad idea, and I'd love to hear. I'm sure you've you've had so much introspection over what the breath is, but um, I notice like after meditating a while, then you it's a skill. It's it's a mm. spiritual skill that yeah. you build and it's not even like i can't even tell you what happens it's just you you change your consciousness people go into all different directions with meditation but mm -hmm. basically you go from this consciousness to a different consciousness which we do when we sleep and we dream but we're not aware mm -hmm. so the difference mm -hmm. is now you're awake and you're aware and anyways mm -hmm. but i feel that that self-generated um, change, which, yeah, probably you're releasing DMT and there's all these hormones that you're releasing through the breath work and also through meditation mm -hmm. in general that are generated, but it's actually that that makes the species evolve into a higher form. Mm -hmm. It's this self-generated, like, yeah, we can yeah. bring it down to the physiology of all these hormones and things that you release for sure that are, but they're released from within, like it's yeah. you releasing that. And then Totally. And then that's kind of how the species evolves. And I think yeah. when this is like the whole transhumanism thing, I don't even know. But when you start <laughs> putting so much external on to change, mm -hmm. actually the body and the being and the person atrophies. Yeah. Because they no 100%. longer have that skill. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's becomes it becomes a reliance on externalities. And yeah, the the like the breath is an, a natural innate part of the human experience. And I think, yeah, to your point, like people often, like it's much more empowering to to generate your own experience and your own evolution from within mm -hmm. than to re rely on externalities. And that's not to say that sometimes externalities are not incredibly helpful. Totally. I've just spent like 20 minutes talking about how powerful that uh, ayahuasca experience was. So yeah. I, d I don't negate them at all. And I think there's a place for them and a time and a place for them for sure. But I think it's when they become when people become reliant on them and look to them as the only path or avenue towards whatever it is that they're seeking, I think that's right. a really disempowering mindset. And I think that's what's quite powerful about breathwork is that it is entirely within you to, to generate that, that experience and whatever it is that you're seeking and whatever um, evolution that your you know, soul or spirit or whatever you want to call it is is seeking or ready for that you can generate that yourself. I think that's a really powerful and more empowering way to sort of look at, you know, anyone's evolution. Again, not to say that there's wrong, anything wrong with anything else, but that's kind of just my perspective on that. Totally. And like, even when I've, you know, when I've done ayahuasca or mushrooms or San Pedro or even MDMA, honestly, which has been amazing, mm -hmm. but like even mm -hmm. these that which have been so transformative and so healing for me in their time and place. And you know, somebody, you could talk about this experience. Okay, well, what did I get from them? Well, lots of different healings, but let's just say a deep connection to self, mm -hmm. um, a deep connection to oneness, like what, whatever yes. it might be. And you know, you intellectually understand and you can talk to other people that 
um, that that's already within you. The medicine was just showing you that. And that mm. is very, very true. So mm. to me, the medicine shows you that and now go find it on your own because nothing mm. will be, nothing will be. And that's, I mean, that's why where I'm at now. And again, maybe I'll come back to medicines at some point. I don't know, but my medicine is meditation or, or yeah. um, whatever. And it, it takes a lot more power because I actually, to get those experiences with the ayahuasca or with the mushrooms, all I had to do was eat the thing. It's really, mm. you don't have to do much you have to get mm. yourself. Yeah, you have to prepare, sure. But like, you just have to eat it. That's not a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. But I think with yeah. these other things, you have to build. And I think breath work somewhere probably in between because you definitely have to do it, but it definitely takes you there really fast too. Mm -hmm. yes. um, through yeah. the oxygen. I guess that's, I guess that's why they call <clears throat> these these modalities practices because you you just have to continue to do them and and um hone the skill of it and there there is no like especially with well equally with breathwork and meditation like there is no point at which you've done it and then it's cool I've done meditation now like, yeah I achieved I achieved <laughs> meditation like right. it is just an ongoing practice of of growth and evolution so I think that's yeah I I think I think we're sort of saying this the same thing or on the same page or around like there's just something really powerful about you holding the the like the ability is within you and you don't need to rely on on other substances or external things to sort of get you there right so what do you think is that like what what are your thoughts on breath work like what is going on to the spirit or the psychot like what yeah. is it that does that there's probably some yeah. physiological answers, but I'm also curious, like what your introspection on it has yeah. been. Yeah, well, I can probably talk to like two things that I have been learning more and more about that I I experience myself and I see others experience. Um, I'm trying to think of which one to start with. So the first one would probably be, so studies and research suggest that it takes about 90 seconds for the body to process an emotion. So when... When we when something happens, when I've been processing some for years. <laughs> well, this is this is the thing, right? This is the thing. So when yeah, so when when something happens external to us, we experience an emotion. Mm -hmm. And and that emotion is in fact energy in motion. And that energy in motion, that emotion gets processed through the body so our body our body is what processes an emotion not our mind right um <clears throat> and so when the body is processing the emotion it takes about 90 seconds on like on average mm -hmm. the the issue is um particularly around more negative emotions so like fear sadness anger frustration guilt shame like whatever we might consider a more negative emotion the issue is we generally don't want to feel those emotions mm -hmm. and what we unconsciously do is we hold our breath and so like an, a classic example and i can give you a couple is if you imagine you're in the workplace and your your boss gets angry at you because you they feel like you didn't do something right and they maybe yell at you or, or call you out in front of your team you might feel like you want to cry or get really upset mm -hmm. but you also don't want to do that because you don't you have too much pride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't, you don't want to like be seen to be crying in front of the team or whatever. So the way you'll prevent that from happening unconsciously, you're not going to think this in the moment, but the way you'll stop yourself from crying is actually holding your breath. Mm. And so. Yeah, it's true. Also when that, someone scares you, you go. <gasps> yeah. 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 
Yeah. And we never really release that breath. Mm. Um, um, and like, it, like there, you know, another maybe more silly example is like, if you were imagine yourself at a funeral or something and, or I, I always remember it like at school in, in chapel, we called it chapel, like church service at school. Like no one really wanted to be there. And we'd sit in the back, back row, like laughing at things and you'd get called out for and like, stop laughing. Like, mm-hmm. and so we'd be wanting to laugh during, during like a prayer or something. We'd be giggling like little schoolboys. But the way you would not, because you knew you'd get in trouble if you were caught laughing. So the way you would not experience that emotion was to hold your breath. Like that's how you would not laugh. And so you can think of lots of examples of that. Like the funeral one I was going to say is similar. Like maybe something really funny happens at a funeral and it would be very inappropriate to laugh. So the way you would stop um, stop yourself from doing that would be to hold your breath. Again, all unconscious. You're not going to go, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to hold my, stop breathing. Yeah. So don't, like it just happens. But the issue is that is that it blocks the flow of the energy in motion through the body. So that 90 seconds I was talking about of the mm-hmm. energy processing through the body, it gets blocked by when we hold our breath, it sort of st- stops things where they're at. And the issue is that we never really release that. And it just gets layered on over time, over days and weeks and months and years, all of particularly, again, it's the negative ones that we really try to usually try to not express. Um, and so these emotions kind of get stuck in the body um there's a really powerful book that like goes deep into this called the body keeps the score it goes into lots of other things as well but the body keeps the score and Mm so what yeah so what happens is that all these emotions or this energy in motion gets stored in the body and that starts to manifest over time as disease and illness right can manifest as Mm disease and illness um and what breathwork does really powerfully is allow us to like dislodge that stuck energy and that stored energy and start to move it back through the body and and ultimately release it out of the body. Then this happens for me and I'm sure every other um, breathwork facilitator is I'll often do sessions. In fact, I would say there's probably only been a handful of sessions that I've done where people haven't been crying at the end of it. Not everyone, like maybe a yeah, few yeah. people cry out of it. And of those people who do get emotional and cry, most of them don't know why. And I I just, I don't know this as a fact, but I assert that it's because they've started to dislodge and mm-hmm. release stored emotions that could be from months, year, even years ago. And they haven't now connected, made the like um, connection back to why they're crying in this moment was actually because of an experience that happened months ago that they never really processed and and felt. But now it's that energy that was stored in that moment is yeah. being released and expresses itself out often through crying. It can also be through other, it can be through shaking or yeah. screaming. It can be other ways as well. But um, that that is almost happened to me in every, well, not happened to me, that's happened in the sessions um, that I facilitated almost every time. And I think that's a really powerful thing that breath, well, one of the many things, I think powerful things that breathwork can enable in us is to release stored energy and particularly stored emotion right and I think there's also such an emphasis over working through things with our mind which the mind is actually Mm. not there to like the mind is there to like build Ikea furniture and like have a conversation (laughs) the mind is not actually there we're like misusing the mind on such a deep level and overemphasizing it where you're actually not that's why you have to learn meditation because that actually is supposed to be our natural state in a way a flow state we're not supposed to use the mind all the time and I think 
there's such an emphasis of working through all of our trauma through our mm -hmm. mind, but we don't remember most of our trauma. Right. We don't, and who even knows if it's coming from past lives and you don't even know right. how deep these layers go. But I think the cool thing that you're bringing up now with the breath work is that you don't actually have to know why. Mm -hmm. You don't actually, mm -hmm. forget the mind. You could have just processed something so deep from who knows mm -hmm. when, and yeah. you don't have to even know that you did it. Great, yeah. you're it's liberated. Even, like, <laughs> your mind exactly doesn't it. have to know, the body knows. And people people feel generally mm -hmm. so much lighter. They come out of a breath, a deep breath work session, and they just feel this huge sense of release and lightness, like they've like let go of a weight. And they don't know why. And that's cool. Like to your point, that's cool. It doesn't matter. But you've you finally processed that and let it go. But I think the point you also raise is like the perfect segue into the other thing I was going to mention, which is the process, like through the type of breathwork that I facilitate and many other types as well, the process of um, that breathing technique over oxygenates our brain. And what that over oxygenation does is it quietens, quietens down our prefrontal cortex which is the thinking part of our brain that to what you were just talking about, like the part of our brain that's constantly rationalizing, analyzing, thinking. Mm. It's it's where we most of us spend most of our waking hours is in mm. the is in that part of the brain. Like 95 plus percent of our lives and time is spent like in the thinking mind. And so what the over oxygenation technique does is it quietens that down that part of the prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain. It almost takes it um, offline or puts it to sleep. And that's powerful for or important for a couple of reasons. But one of the main ones is that in doing that, it allows our subconscious mind to surface. And the subconscious mind is the storehouse of all of our past experiences, all of our beliefs, our limiting beliefs, our emotions, our values, the way we perceive the world, that's all stored in the subconscious mind. And as we can surface that, we can start to have clarity or insights around the way we experience the world that we just can't have when we're in our thinking mind because you just can't sort of like step back enough to like see that the thinking mind is actually often the cause of all the problems that you think you have. Yeah. Um, and so the subconscious mind uh, gets surfaced or we're able to surface the subconscious mind through that technique. Technique, And when we surface it and become aware of what's, what's in there, we can then start to like release or rewire or reprogram or reframe all of those stored beliefs and perceptions that we have. And that can be really powerful, like especially around like limiting beliefs or, or self-worth, self-confidence, self-love. Um, a lot of the things where we really struggle um, as individuals, it's often there's root like causes or root beliefs in our subconscious mind that just shape the way we experience the world. And we can get to that through breath work mm -hmm. and then start to like, yeah, let go of it or reframe it. So that's like another really powerful, um, I guess, outcome or benefit of the breath work. Mm. Do you think somebody could abuse breath work? I guess people could abuse meditation. I don't know. And like not be on earth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've never <clears throat> thought of that. Um, I was just I thinking if I someone had like maybe. a trauma, just because it's such an intense experience, I imagine at least maybe not abuse it, but have to, um, because if you're waking up and doing it five times a day, I imagine that would be quite a lot. But, <laughs> yeah, but... I guess, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just because I, I just, it is a very, like, also, well, from my experience of it is that it is really powerful. Like, this is mm. not 
Like this is not yet self-generated, but I think we forget how much power we have and how much mm -hmm. power there is in, in the body. Yeah, I think, I don't think you could um, abuse it in the sense of doing it too much. The way I think, where I think you could go wrong with it is not integrating the mm. experience that you have. And I don't, I'm, I don't think, you don't need to have a facilitator or a guide take you through every breathwork session, but that can be really helpful because it's someone that can yeah. hold space for you and then like help you process whatever insights or emotions come up for you. Um but if you're doing it on your own, which is totally fine, and I encourage that as well, I think the way you could like abuse it or like maybe not sort of get the most out of it, or maybe I don't know, do like go go down a weird path with it, is if you just keep bringing up all this stuff, but then not uh -huh. taking the time to like sit with it or acknowledge it or like write about it or talk about it with someone and right. express it and release it. Like I think that's maybe where you could maybe go wrong with it. Right. Yeah. So then how does how does your work look now with breathwork specifically? Is it all groups? Do you also do one-on-one? -on -one? Can people, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm going to put all your stuff in the show notes later, but like, can, do you, you do things online? Like, what does it practically look like? Yeah, I so I do do one-on-one -on -one stuff. Um, uh, I don't, I actually prefer doing groups in the sense that I think there's something really special about like a shared experience of it. Mm -hmm. But I, I definitely do one-on-one -on -one stuff either like in person. I also do do Zoom sessions. Um, but I probably do more group stuff just not because it's better or not. Not Maybe I enjoy it more just to, for, for that shared experience as a group. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so my I guess my breathwork offering looks mostly like group sessions um, with some one-on-one -on -one stuff. I'm also trying to do, um, ironically, and this is why I think, you know, wherever people are at on their path now in whatever career and industry they're in, I think awesome. Like that's great because I'm now taking breath work back into the corporate space and I cool. couldn't, and and in particular to senior <clears throat> executives in the corporate space. So like C-suites and I couldn't go in and confidently hold space with a bunch of like CEOs or marketing directors or whatever, if I hadn't spent 15 years in that environment, so now I'm going into yeah these companies and like boardrooms with quite senior people of quite significant companies and taking them through breathwork sessions. But I couldn't have done that or I wouldn't feel confident or have like I have the um, capability to do that had I not experienced that career that I've experienced. So Right. Yeah, because you know it. Yeah, I can speak their language and I can also like as in I'm like I know what they're talking about when they say certain things or have certain... Um, challenges or or needs and I also just don't feel intimidated in that environment like some some breathwork people or facilitators like they may be far more spiritual with their practice and that's awesome and I love that and I like enjoy experiencing that but that may not be what a corporate team is seeking they may not want to go too deep down like a spiritual path with it right. they may so like when I do corporate breathwork stuff I mainly focus it on um, enhancing creativity, which I can explain why that is really powerful for that if you want, but that's generally what corporate teams are seeking is like ways to like improve, like either improve well-being or enhance creativity. And that's what I feel like I can offer also because I'm from a, like I have a creative background. Um, so it kind of all makes sense now, like as in that career that I had has sort of led me to this point where I can like take 
or I can guide, like I guide a four week create creativity breathwork transformation program in corporate settings. And I think I couldn't do that if I hadn't had the career that I had. I imagine as it, is it being received really well? It's yeah, probably I mean, their it, like first dip in all this stuff. It's funny. I did one yesterday with a company, a small company. Um, and a couple of them had done some form of breathwork before, but a, a few of them hadn't. And it just blows their mind. Like they, they love like, and not everyone, it's it's not for everyone and not everyone will always love it. Yeah. But, you know, most people get something quite special out of it. And yeah, a couple of people yesterday, it just like, they couldn't, they couldn't fathom that 30 minutes of laying on your back and breathing in a particular way could then generate the experience that they just had. Yeah. Yeah. We're, Sorry, were you doing this during COVID? People, did people have to wear masks? Like, <laughs> no. or did you start it afterwards? No, <laughs> like, I, I think I'm I, like, there's I, no way. <laughs> no, I, I didn't start doing corporate and group stuff till like after like mask restrictions ended. But I was doing some stuff like one on one or over yeah. Zoom, and that's yeah. that's obviously cool. But yeah, it would probably be a bit weird to be trying to get yeah I actually I wouldn't do it I wouldn't I know because it's too it's too fit. It. it's like yeah silly. it was like at this Vipassana <laughs> they wanted us to wear masks and I was just like that's just another that's just another mask in life I'm trying to take off my masks you know then <laughs> yeah. they're like oh whatever so yeah. <laughs> but yeah no I was just like I can't do that like I literally in my own integrity cannot do that um yeah, but I also understand they don't want to get shut down they don't actually care but yeah <clears throat> yeah anyways um yeah well hmm okay question how yeah. how do you envision a better world for the future yeah i think i mean this is what i this is what i feel um i don't want to overstate it because i think um i don't want to overstate like my contribution to it but this is what i feel like like creating a better world is what i feel like whatever I have the capacity to do to help create that is now, now what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. And that could be through breath work. It could through, be through this consulting work that I do. It could be through other things that I'm not doing yet. Um, but I, so like, that's what I, like that question is like, now what like, I don't like think about that, that exact, those exact words every day, but like, that's what I want to just spend all my time and effort sort of like heading towards. Um, but I think to answer your question, like, I think, I think it starts within like in a, like not, not, not in a selfish way, but I think there are so many issues that I'm sure we've all heard plenty about like environmental, socio-political, like economic, there's so much, um, so many issues and so much just destruction, extraction, um, and and unfairness and many other words that and sometimes you know much more horrific as well um that exists in the world and it always seems at scale out there yeah and it is like it is so much of it but i think i think people i think he, true healing will begin as people heal themselves and i think whatever and that's not to say that everyone now needs to go and do whatever they can to help other people heal themselves but um, I just feel really passionate that like, I probably feel the most passionate about the environment. Like that's the one thing I'm in nature. I'm just, that's mm -hmm. like 
I just, yeah. But I actually think an avenue to help um, regenerate and restore the environment is actually through helping people reconnect to themselves. And so the more beautiful world like that we know is possible, I believe starts with us going inward and sort of reconciling all the lies that, you know, around like that we're not loved, that we're not worthy, that that we're in competition with each other, all this stuff that's not, it's not true. It's fundamentally not true. But we, many people go about their existence sort of believing that and then enacting that out and that, you know, more for you is less for me. So we're all in competition. And um, I, I just truly believe that as we reconnect to ourselves, we will start to reconnect to each, each other as a byproduct of that. And so for me, the pathway towards sort of like a better world or a more beautiful world is actually reconnection to ourself. I couldn't agree more. And I think also, um, it, it's so, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it really does start with from within because we're constantly bombarded, I think, especially in the mainstream narrative. And I don't want to divide, I don't want to further divide us from like people who believe the mainstream narrative to people who are suspect of it, because that's mm. just another division. We also just really need to come together, but, um, you know, a lot of issues that are thrown in our face and I find it really manipulative a lot of the time, but let's just say like environment or, or a war or whatever. Well, okay. If you're really hung up about the environment, well, how are you polluting your body or your mind with your mm -hmm. thoughts? Mm -hmm. And if you're so, if you're so focused on the external of what's going on, don't get me, we should not be polluting the, the waters. Like this is all very important. We need to be taking care of our planet in a much better way. One thousand, mm -hmm. it could, nothing could be more important than that, but except for <laughs> how are you polluting your planet your inner yeah. planet and if you don't if you don't bother to check that out there is no way that that external problem will ever be fixed we will exactly, not if yeah. you are not paying even more attention to like how you think how you eat even more to the how you use your sexual energy how you use your daily energy i mean everything mm -hmm. if you don't care you don't actually care about the planet either. I mean, like yeah. maybe externally, but there's just no way because, yeah. yeah. I, it's so spot on. And there's a there's a perfect analogy that I've, I've recently like become aware of that, that um, demonstrates that I think so beautifully and also sort of in a sad way. But um, I was just on, uh, I do some work with an organization called Farmers Footprint and um, it's actually a nonprofit started out of the US that's now, that now, um, exists here in Australia started by Dr. Zach Bush and he um he sort of he was here in Australia recently and I was at a bunch of talks with him and he was talking about how when he goes and sees farmers all around the world that the farmer's relationship to themselves in terms of how they view themselves how they treat themselves what they put in their body how they like nourish themselves is always, almost always, if not always, reflected in the health of their land and their farm. So like farmer health equals the health of the farm. And so I think what you're just describing is, is, a, is, is, is that, but this is, I guess, a, a, a metaphor or a, a manifestation of that. And I, like having now heard about it and seen a little bit of it, that if that's true, like at the farm level, like it, it's true everywhere, like the way we treat our own bodies and our own health and what we sort of allow into us in terms of food, medicine, information, 
yeah, that gets reflected back in the environment that we create for ourselves, whether that's a farm or, you know, in a, in an apartment in a city, but yeah, what, what, like, it's kind of like that saying as above, so below, it's kind of like as within, so without. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's so true. And so that's, yeah, I think we're both sort of saying that's why I believe, yeah, the true healing starts at the individual level and within. Absolutely. And I don't even want to get political here, but just talking about the farm, I mean, the, the farmers of the, we need to support the farmers of the world. I just want to put that message out here. Like I've been living in the countryside for a year. I've made some friends with some farmers. All my meat, most of my food comes straight from farmers, organic down, you know, one, two, three kilometers away. Um, my relationship to food and my body is much deeper now because of that, but also my relationship to these people, they are the most free thinking because they are so connected to nature. You can't fool them. I mean, in general, Mm -hmm. I think farmers, I don't even mean like, oh, they don't follow the mainstream narrative. They don't, they follow nature and they, Mm -hmm. they call out bullshit and they see it. And I just like, I just want to say what's going on. (laughs) Don't want to get political, but in the Netherlands with the government, the honestly the fascist government which is basically everywhere now trying to take over the farmer's land like i just a i want to give my support to them right now if anyone's listening and like really stand behind their backs because they are our food source of they are our true food source of the world because Mm -hmm. once they're gone it's going to be fake food it's going to be it's it's yeah, it, it's basically the biggest assault upon humanity to take away the farmer's lands. And that's what's happening. And to to put it in disguise as a as a climate change problem is the most manipulative, disgusting thing ever. Sorry, I'm getting emotional now, but I'm like, no. Yeah. So back to it's really cool that you've had yeah. this um, experience with meeting these really cool farmers. And I just if you live in a city or whatever, just support. Go make friends with some farmers. <laughs> that's what, you know. Uh, I I mean I I I could we could do a podcast on farming and farmers for like I could maybe we should just... we should have like a round table <laughs> with farmers. Everything you just said is just I couldn't agree with it more, and I think that people don't realize the fragility of our food system, and that like farmers to me are the are the new rock stars. Like they are the most important people on our planet right now. Like up until a couple of years ago, I couldn't have even named a farmer, let alone a farm or where any of the food that I eat came from. I, I, I don't even know if it came from Australia, let alone what farm. Yeah. And I've managed now to um, become aware of and, and now even friends with a few farmers. And I know exactly where not all of my food, but now a good portion of my food comes from um, and which farm it comes from and who grew it. And I think, I mean, you don't have to go to that level, but just, but you should <laughs> yeah. just we we can all just value our farmers so much more yeah. than we do and yeah they are to me they are the the like rock stars and the <clears throat> most important people on the planet right now yeah and also you know i mean just everything that's going on with the world where we think it doesn't have to do with food i mean once you control the food supply you really just control people so don't don't be fooled people support your farmers <laughs> Um, you know, wars in certain countries like Russia and Ukraine, who are the biggest exporters of certain, you know, grains and stuff like, you know, this is not, I don't know, one plus one does indeed equal two. So mm-hmm. basically support your farmers, support your local farmers. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this, you've had so much wisdom to share. Honestly, I, 
yeah, I, I'm really excited for people to listen to this podcast. I think you really have so much to offer, especially people who, I don't even want to call it the matrix, the people who are more in the normal world. I don't even know what to call it, the more matrixy <laughs> world, but, but and nothing against that. But I'm saying for people who are there and feeling kind of divided between two worlds or feeling interested in becoming more connected to themselves, I think you're, this conversation and you are such a great bridge and example to that so I'm really excited for people to listen it's really honestly just you telling your story is already very you're already helping people so thank you yeah yeah. thank you for creating a space to do it yeah you're so welcome are there any final words of wisdom that you have that you want to share um I think one thing that that I just maybe can leave this with is like Ing, my my partner and I have been talking a lot recently about the feminine and the masculine. And, you know, there's a lot of, especially in like more spiritual circles, I suppose, there's a lot of um, conversation right now around the emergence of the feminine. Um, And when, when we talk about that, we don't mean, you know, man versus woman, like masculine versus feminine, like that's not what we mean. But one of the things that I think, and maybe, I don't know when this podcast will go up, but if it is before, Christmas, New Year, Soon, sort of break. in the next few days. Okay, cool. Well, this is what I'm going to do. And I think I, if anyone listens to this before the Christmas, New Year break, like I think one of the things that's um, really like one of the feminine qualities that like we've been talking about is is how the feminine is much more in a, in a state of being and the masculine is, is in much more of a state of doing. Mm-hmm. So the masculine is much more about like the goals and accomplishments and getting like achieving this and getting that done. And whereas the feminine exists in, in a, in a much more of a state of being. And I think that's how I'm intending to go into this break is like, I have a lot of uncertainty, like in my own my career right now, like, I don't know exactly, like, you know, I used to like you, probably could have guessed from my previous career I knew exactly what I'd be earning exactly when like probably when I'd get that promotion and do that and I had that very like masculine um progression laid out whereas now it's I don't know I don't know what's going to happen and and I kind of love that um but also I think there's there's something in just just sitting and being and I think very very few people it's very hard in today's like life and society to simply just be without like trying to achieve and trying to get this done and like got to do that. And, and I, I just would encourage people and like, I'm going to try this is over the break just to really just sit and try and be and not try and solve and fix and plan and accomplish and just sit in a state of being and just maybe see what comes to you. And I think my experience with that a little bit and from what I'm learning about it is that like just being, just being in a state of being allows a spaciousness to like present itself around you and from that from that spaciousness my my intuition or I would assert that you will you will sort of find and and drift more towards like what might feel like more of your true path or where you're like supposed to be headed but it can only sort of like come from once we create the space for it to emerge and appear um that's that's where we'll find it from so that's something that I'm definitely going to try like as we go into this break is just to stop like as much as possible just stop stop trying to plan stop trying to fix stop worrying um and just be just be with mm. the present moment again as, as cliched as that can sound but I think that could be a really powerful exercise and experience for people to try I'm, I'm certainly going to try it so 
if yeah. anyone wants to join me in that, I'll join you. I'll join <laughs> you. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, it's been so wonderful. I'm so excited for people to listen to this. You have so much wisdom and all of your stuff will be in the show notes so people can find you. So please, everybody check that out. Um, you can also mention here if you want to mention your website too, if people are listening or how to find you. Yeah, it's just dave-murphy.co. Um, but yeah, if you put that in the show notes, I'm sure people can find it. But yeah, thank you so much. Cool. You're welcome. All right. Bye-bye. So nice to talk to you. Later.